0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for
1: free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: Oh, oh,
0: oh O'Reilly Auto Parts. 7-3-5-1-5-3-5-7. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday's Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400, DWS. Mr. Tate is in the house, and we're taking your calls if you uh, want to join us all the way up to 11 o'clock. 217-356-9397 is the number. Mr. Tate, how are you this morning?
3: All kinds of talk. Tell, tell us the latest rumors, Steve.
1: Well, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's a lead story uh, type of situation, but there's a lot going on. The NCAA basketball Tournament uh, resumes today with the Sweet 16. The transfer portal's going crazy. The coaching carousel is in uh, full swing. Lon Kruger retires, so there's a job open at Oklahoma. Lon Kruger will join us, by the way, coming up at 10:30. The Texas job is open after Shaka Smart goes to Marquette. I guess he was, he's getting out of getting ahead of the posse, right?
3: Yeah, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> but but every time somebody takes a job somewhere else that leaves his job open so it's just it's a never-ending situation
1: and they're they're starting to mention names that, that of people that might be in consideration for the Texas job some of the the names you might guess uh, beard from uh, Texas Tech uh, certainly is one and uh, Seth Davis actually included Brad Underwood on uh,
3: well he had a great run at the Stephen F Austin yes, he, did. he had a great run in the last two years at Illinois and so he would be a natural consideration I I don't think that uh, that Brad's going to go anywhere now. I think he thinks he's got things going pretty good at Illinois. Don't you?
1: Yep, the transfer portal is oh man like out of hand. There's more than thirty uh, players from the Big Ten alone.
3: It'd be simpler if you just announced the players that are going to be coming back, right? Instead of if <laughs> you knew, that's the right. thing. Right, we don't know anything, and th- there haven't been any uh, any you know, Illinois players in the portal yet, but there certainly will be. I mean, I don't know any team that won't have some in the portal, do you? I mean, the whole country's in the portal.
1: No Michigan players. Of course, they're still playing. Yeah, they,
3: you got to wait till they're done playing, Steve. Exactly. But it, Reavers is, I mean, I can't imagine what that lineup at Wisconsin is going to be like because Davis and several others have said they're not coming back. Well, they've already been there seven years anyway. Right, they're all 24 <laughs> years old. Trice is 20, 23 or 24, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, some of the, I, I understand that they're... Veterans might not be coming back, and now Reavers is not uh, coming back. When I say they're not coming back, sometimes they go in the portal. And, and Change can, your mind, yeah. I think those Indiana – the fact that Indiana has seven members of the team, including three starters, already in the portal, and one other one has talking about leaving. So it's just – as soon as they get a coach, though, Steve – Whoever that coach is, the first thing he will do will go to those players and try to get them to return. But there's also a consideration that maybe you let them go and you can find better players somewhere else.
1: Well, it's been going on three weeks now since they let Archie Miller go, so uh, there's been some some rumors there about uh, Chris Holtzman. Uh, Holtman, do you that, believe that one? Uh, I, I don't know what to believe, and what not to believe. There, what, what's the term, uh, deniable plausibility, or something like that? That. Well, the, I, the AD says uh, he has to talk to him, and he probably hasn't, but he's, somebody may have.
3: Well, I think what you do is you have your attorney, you know, whoever is your, you know, that you have your attorney talk to his attorney yeah. and to find out if there's any interest. And, and you might do that at a dozen places, you know, just to find out who might be interested. When you find out if somebody's interested, then you follow it up. There's no sense in going after somebody who has no interest at all.
1: So, a lot to keep an eye on here and uh, as we approach the basketball offseason, but there's more games to be played uh, today and tomorrow. be interesting to keep an eye on those. I, it's not appointment TV for me like it uh, used to be prior to last weekend, but number eight seed at Loyola plays number 12, Oregon State at 140, Villanova and Baylor at 415, Oral Roberts and Arkansas at 625, Syracuse and Houston. At 8:55, those are the Saturday games.
3: I got to get more interested in the Arkansas Oral Roberts game. I, just, <laughs> I can't imagine. if that was a regular season game, you wouldn't even know it was on. would It you? doesn't
1: uh, flip your skirt, does it? <laughs> Coming up on uh, Sunday, Creighton against Gonzaga at 1:10, Florida State and Michigan at four o'clock, UCLA, Alabama, 6:15, Oregon and Southern Cal at 8:45. Little Pac-12 matchup there.
3: Well, the Pac-12 has sure come out looking good in this, hasn't it? When they they spend that all that time in that time zone, they got out there, and I never see them play, and all of a sudden, the, the whole league is in the in the final sixteen here.
1: Yeah, I don't think you would have predicted that because I didn't think the league was that strong, and maybe it's not top to bottom, but certainly they have some good teams there.
3: Well, it, it looks to me like a lot of them got real good toward the end. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, and and uh, the Big Ten teams that were so good along the way have just kind of faded out toward the end.
1: 217-356-9397 is the phone number. Illinois football wrapping up week number one of spring practice. They'll go at 11 o'clock today. They were out there Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That's going to be their standard operation for a while. They're going to do some hitting today, I believe. Uh, Yeah. Put pads on. Yeah. Put the big boy pads on and get out there and get after it a little bit. And, uh, you know, you don't always learn very much in the spring. We might learn even less this spring with a uh, new coaching staff. They're not going to show too much to anybody at this point.
3: Well, that's right. And, and there's a good reason for that. I yeah. mean, why should they when they've got, you know, they nobody knows exactly what. How do you explain the fact that Gay and Carney for example, who are defensive ends, are now listed at outside linebacker. To me, all that means is they put a different designation on the same position. But uh, Carney did say the other day that he'd be dropping back in coverage more than he ever has. But I don't think that'll be something that that will be a high percentage. I think that that'll be occasionally, just to change defenses, they might do that. But I think basically they're going to be rush ends, don't you? I mean, that's what they've always been. And I think that would continue. They are seniors. They are veterans. They are fifth-year guys, super seniors. So um, that position, I don't, I, I'm not worried about. But the two positions I'm worried about, obviously linebacker, because their three best linebackers are not practicing. Hanson, I don't know why he uh, he's late arriving. Of course, he had decided to leave. Now he's coming back. I'm sure he will be able to. Um, um, Understand all the concepts in, in the fall when he comes back, and he's got all summer to learn. But um, the other two guys are injured and will be coming back in the fall as, as well. I don't know what they're going to be able to present in a spring game because the linebackers really thin, and the other position is, is wide receiver, and, and they just don't have many guys that have caught many balls. Do you have any eligibility left? Well, I, I couldn't run, so I don't think it would help them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well. We'll wait for you to get deep, and then just uh, let you go up and and grab it. It might take a while, though. <laughs> Two steps and stop. How about that
3: quick curl.
1: Illinois baseball in action, as was softball, volleyball. There's a lot going on in uh, spring sports. Illinois baseball with an eight-run seventh <laughs> inning at uh, Illinois Field to beat Northwestern, twelve to eight last night. You were at the game for at least part of the ball game. How'd it feel to be at a well, you were at basketball during the season too, but to, to be back uh, in well, person at a game—it was, it was—I enjoyed
3: it. I mean, I like to follow the baseball team, and and uh, I—they uh, just had the one bad inning. Huffman kind of lost his control a little bit, gave up some hits, and they couldn't get out of the inning, and and uh, brought in. Uh, they finally they were able to work their way out, and then it was their game the rest of the way because Illinois pecked away all the way. There. The first four times they scored were all in four different innings. One run at a time, and couldn't get that big hit, and then finally they did get a whole bunch of big hits in that eight-run inning.
1: And they gave up three runs in the top of the ninth, but uh, but they still managed to win by a score of twelve to eight. Those two teams scheduled again today: Illinois and Northwestern, at one o'clock at Illinois Field. You can hear it right here on News Talk fourteen hundred. Softball: The Illini dropped a six-nothing decision to Minnesota. They're scheduled to play a doubleheader again today. That uh, is also in town at Eichelberger Field. Volleyball won their third match in a row, beating Indiana 3 to nothing last night. They'll play the Hoosiers again tonight, 8 o'clock start tonight. You can hear it right here on News Talk 1400, and it's also on the Big Ten Network. Some other weekend activities, both tennis teams in action. Number 14, Illinois, beat number 25, Michigan, 5-2. to They'll take on Michigan State at home on Sunday. Brad Dancer's team, 11-2 on the season now. The Illinois women were on the road. They lost 4-3 at Wisconsin, and they'll play at Minnesota on Sunday. The soccer team lost on Thursday at Michigan, and they'll play Michigan State tomorrow. The soccer team is 4-4-1, four, four, and one, I think, now on the season. Golf, uh, both uh, golf teams, well, not both, the, the men, Ranked number five will be in action next weekend at the Augusta Invitational. The women are playing this weekend at the Clemson Invitational through Sunday. Those are some of the sports uh, going on on a busy weekend. Some more honors for Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, selected to the Wooden Award All-America team. They picked a 10-member team, so both those guys made it.
3: Yeah, you know, have you noticed that all the All-Star All-America teams are all the same. There's almost no variance at all. It's, it, these decisions were kind of made back there a month ago or two months ago along the way, and it's been the same four guys all the time, Kispert and, and Suggs and, uh, and, of course, uh, Garza, and then uh, Io are, are always on the first team on everything. I don't know anything any team that, that, that somebody can call if they found one that, that's different. And of course, Timmy's been on some of the teams, and uh, and Kofi's been basically a second teamer in almost in most all of those.
1: And Io made the uh, cut up to the uh, final what uh, five guys for the Wooden Award itself. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Jared Butler of Baylor, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, Io, Luca Garza, and. Corey Kispert, the same list again. Yep. So basically, that's your first team. Yes, it is. All-America team yep. right there, according uh, to the folks. W-
3: nobody's kind of bucking that at all. And uh, I think that the Cousy Award will be coming out, and I, I think Iowa's got a great chance for that. We've had one koozie winner, of course. That was a, was D Brown.
1: Yep. So still some awards to be uh, handed out. Back to the transfer portal for a moment. We mentioned no Illinois players are there. But there are four Illinois women's players who have announced.
3: Yeah, oh, that really looks bad for uh, Nancy Fay to to lose those. Uh, particularly, Miles was a very good pro- and Terry. I that was uh, that's really going to be tough to try to keep that. And they're what six and sixty-four in the Big Ten since since she came here. Four she's had four years of basically losers, and I don't know where, where they're headed now with if those people are all gone. And I when I say if, I apparently they are.
1: And I suppose it's like any other uh, transfer portal situation. They could change their mind. Oh, but sure. uh, they, they certainly put their names in as recently as yesterday for that. So uh, a lot going on. High school football. There were some games uh, last night. Here's a few. Hey, wait. Hey, did
3: you see what Monticello did?
1: Well, I was going to lead with that, of course.
3: Oh, my goodness. My They gave up a touchdown to go behind with a minute and seven seconds to go, Steve. And, and won.
1: And they won nineteen to fifteen. They rallied over Prairie Central.
3: One minute and they scored.
1: Other games last night: Tuscola beat uh, Clinton fifty to twenty-seven. It was Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond forty-one, Tri-County seven, Villagrove Grove Heritage eighteen to nothing over Argena Oriana. Westville lost to uh, Bismarck, Henning Rossville, Alvin forty-eight to seven. St. Joe Ogden beat uh, Pontiac twenty-eight to seven. Those are some of the uh, scores from last night. Some other games being played today. Other scores, check it out in the News Gazette. Let's take our first call before our first guest on the uh, show. And Michael, uh, Mike, calling from Danville, you're on the air. Go ahead.
4: Uh, Yes, thank you. Um, I haven't seen anything in the newspaper about Kofi getting some bad email or death threats. Do you know anything about that?
1: I don't think he got a death threat. I, no, I, the
3: only one that got the, the really bad one was was the one that was sent to Liddell. But uh,
1: Kofi did get a a yes. Twitter a tweet from. It was nasty. It, it was nasty, and but yeah, we're, I, I we are we th- are aware of that. I don't
3: think we can repeat it. I <laughs> mean,
1: yeah, and I and I think the university is looking into it. I don't know what the. They might do. I think they they found where they where it came from, and I believe it came from the state of Iowa. Uh, a young guy in high school, I think. Oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't. Okay. Very, it wasn't. But there was no death threat to it.
4: Okay. Thank you.
1: Yep, appreciate the call. It is moving up on nine fifteen. We'll take our first time out. This is Illinois Saturday Sports Talk. We'll talk more basketball with Shannon Ryan from the Chicago Tribune when we come back. Stay with us. It is moving up on nine seventeen. Illinois Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk with Lawrence Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until eleven o'clock this morning. Phone line is open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. On the phone with us now is our friend Shannon Ryan from the Chicago Tribune, who covers Illinois basketball and football. Good morning, Shannon. How are you?
5: I'm doing all right. How are you?
1: Doing well. You're over in Indianapolis, right? For
5: uh, I am the Sweet yep, Sixteen. Yep, for the Loyola-Oregon State game in the Sweet
1: 16. We'll talk a little bit about uh, that game coming up, but let's go back to last week's game, uh, the Illinois-Loyola game. And uh, the the Ramblers certainly uh, took control of that ball game from the, from the start and put an abrupt end to a very successful Illinois season. You've had a little time to think about that now, but let's get your thoughts on that.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was really shocking in a way and um, just – really an interesting um defensive scheme the way Loyola plays and relies on their defense but just I think the the surprising part was just that start to finish um way that the way they had it with Illinois and I mean you usually I think everybody in there everybody watching on TV everyone who's seen Illinois um play basketball this whole season was just waiting for that moment of like okay, yeah, Loyola, you know, started well, but, you know, was going to get going or Trent will hit some big shots. or there'll be, you know, um, Kofi will take over and um, it just didn't come. And I think that part was like, wow, you know, I think it, it finally started to sink in at everybody when they got close, I think within six and then Loyola was back up by double digits, I think 13 again in a matter of minutes. And it just seemed like, wow, this is not Illinois day. So, it was, I mean, that was pretty surprising to see and to see them get knocked out of the one seed. And um, I know, you know, I thought Iowa had a, such a great perspective after the game of, you know, talking about this is this is what we are building and it's great Illinois being back in the tournament after that drought and Brad Underwood definitely has something going there. But, I mean, you can't deny that it, it's pretty disappointing when you've got kind of a once-in-a-lifetime two great players like that and um, not totally once-in-a-lifetime, but it's, it's hard to get. A team like that with that much talent and just everything, just the way they were on such fire, and then to not make it to the Sweet 16 when they had national championship possibilities—that it was pretty, um, I'm sure, disappointing for them and Dan.
1: Well, it happens uh, this time of year, and it's—I guess yep. every team's going to have a worst game of the season at some point. It's just uh, you don't want it to happen in March, that's for sure. But you can't take away what they did have and what they did accomplish in some difficult times. Twenty-four wins. And uh, they they fought through a lot, being basically quarantined for that long away from their families. As most teams were, but uh, certainly a lot of good memories.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, IO. I mean, that was basically my column after the game. Is IO is a legend, you know? This disappointing. They had all the potential to be in the title game. You know, the best team since two thousand five for sure, and. Um, but you know, everyone I think in Illinois is always going to remember I.O. assume no matter what he does after after this, and the way he kind of reopened those recruiting ties to Chicago, the way he like took pride in the program, that's always going to be, um, I think, a special memory for people.
3: Well, Shannon. Uh... There was talk that this team, and, and, and this is internal talk, you know, among people that follow Loyola, that this team is better than the 2018 in terms of their talent, and and I'm starting to wonder about that. Do you think that's true?
5: It is. I mean, you know, when you look at that 2018 team, the way they played was just fantastic, you know, they re- and, and they're doing that now, too, like relying on the fundamentals, the commitment to defense, all of that, but... Um, but if you remember, I mean, the reason that team was so exciting besides being a low seed is the way they were winning games, just buzzer beater shots, shots, taking these insane bounces, you know, comebacks. It was like, just like just the most miraculous stuff you were seeing. And now, um, they've got this different expectation, I think, but they're also just, you know, they had a comeback early against Georgia tech in the first round, but, they played really solid in that game, beat the ACC tournament champion. And then they, you know, beat off the big 10 tournament um, champion. And from start to finish, I mean, I think this team is at a higher level. And um, I wrote today too, about two things. I mean, Cameron Crutwig, their freshman um, center on the 2018 team who got a lot of experience, obviously. And Lucas Williamson, a, uh, um, you know, defensive player of the year now for the Missouri Valley. They were both freshmen on that team, but they weren't freshmen getting like five minutes. They were really key contributors on that team. I think having that experience and now um, having some other really good players around them that have developed over the year, over the last couple of years, but those two seniors kind of being able to be the um, guiding lights of, here's, you know, follow us and here's where, we can take you, and we know what it's like to be in the tournament. Like, we're not shocked anymore. And I think um, Loyola's gained more, I think, um, in this tournament. I think for them beating Illinois, I think it really legitimized them. as like, this isn't just like, wow, what a miracle team. I mean, they're a really good team, and I do think they're deeper and, and more experienced in a way. Well, you know,
3: uh, one thing that we never know, and we never know how good the team is that wins the Missouri Valley or in other conferences at that level? They could be really good. I mean, we we don't really know when we say that they were ranked at a certain level. We don't have any idea. They're only playing basically teams in in that uh, in that league, and the fact that they played Wisconsin or lost Indiana State early—that's not the same team. I mean, you're talking about November against uh, you know November and December against March, and that's just altogether different. But uh, I wanted to switch something. Uh, I wanted to ask you about what you think about this portal situation as it's developing as uh, Shannon we're going to have to get a scorecard to know who's on which team aren't we next year
5: <laughs> yeah I mean I was just looking at that too um that I mean it's like going to be like a thousand by the time this is you know the um Monday rolls around but it's I mean in a way I feel like you could kind of you knew there was going to be some chaos a bit after I mean this was a really weird season with all the COVID stuff and people reevaluating things. Um, then you've got the eligibility changes with, um, you know, that extra year. And then you've got, um, you know, people being able to transfer m- more easily now. And so in a way it was expected, but yeah, it's it's a lot. So I feel like it's going to be, um, yeah, the, uh, coaches are just probably just going wild right now, trying to keep up with it all and bring people in and figure out who's leaving. And um, I'm sure their heads are spinning and trying to adjust to this. And I, I don't know if it'll be our new normal as far as every year. I think this year is, like, really just a, a wild year, right? I mean, well, this is the only year that, a, that like all this, the but,
3: seniors can come back, I'm sure.
2: Right, right.
5: And,
3: and But can, yeah. you, can you imagine that Loyola could go on, let's say they make the Final Four, and they could come back with the same team next year. <laughs> I mean, you know, that well, that's hard have, to imagine. Yeah,
2: that's true. If pratt or Lucas
5: Williamson would come back, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be really good maybe for some teams and really bad for others.
1: Talking to Shannon Ryan from the Chicago Tribune. Of course, uh, Porter Moser's got uh, more important things on his mind right this minute. But what do you think uh, might uh, be in his future as far as jobs? Do you, th- you see him staying there? Do you see him entertaining some some potential interest?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued by that and will be so interested to see what he does just because of it is like such a dilemma for him and just kind of having gotten to know him a little better over the last several years. I mean, after 2018, he had opportunities to leave and take more money and St. John's threw a lot of money at him and he turned it down and stayed at Loyola and he wanted to keep building a winner. And I think for him too, it's about finding the right fit. It's not, I just want to go somewhere in a big league and I want to go get a lot of money. That doesn't seem, I mean, you know, I think he proved that's not what it's about for him. It's about finding a good fit. I thought Marquette would have been a perfect um, place for him. So that was pretty interesting to see that they locked it up with Shaka and maybe that's one of the downfalls of keep playing in the tournament and the jobs close up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I do, I can also see him as, I mean, Loyal has built this, um, you know, pretty great um, facility, which they didn't have before. They've made a lot more commitment um, financially to making, you know, charters and things like that. I mean, just upgrading everything there so i mean and he knows like you can you can win there obviously i mean they're in two sweet 16s in the last four years and nobody else can really say that around illinois so you know but i think the frustrating part for mid-major coaches um and and for him is probably just this idea that i mean you can have a great this is kind of what you were pointing to earlier lauren is you can have like an absolutely great season and you still get doubted by the selection committee or, you know, you still have to win your um, conference tournament. And that's really, really hard to do. You can have this absolutely gem of a season and then you have like one bad game in your tournament championship and you don't go, you know, if he's in another league and he seems like, I mean, you know, you, you can see he can, he's a good coach. He's a great coach. I mean, the, Um, the schemes he comes up with, he's proven he has a track record now. And I mean, I'm sure he thinks he could win at, at any other place. So, you know, if you can go somewhere else and have a good season and maybe, you know, finish second, third in your league and still make the tournament. I mean, that's probably a relief to a coach who's kind of had this frustrating situation for so long being in a so-called one, one bid league. So, I mean, I could see that being a drawing point. I mean, Indiana's maybe the most intriguing spot for him and, I think that's really tough because, I mean, that is a place that <laughs> their fans can become unhappy very easily. I mean, coaches don't always have the greatest experience there, as we've seen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, a big thing he always said um, was about, you know, don't run away from happiness. So I, I do how that will play in after this season ends for Loyola.
3: You hear anything about DePaul? We've uh, been worried about Orlando Antigua perhaps being uh, enticed somewhere and uh... – we don't see that happening right now. What, what do you see at DePaul?
5: Yeah, I mean, I know for – Kenny Payne is a top target right now, and it sounds like they're trying to, you know, zero in on him with DePaul. The, and he has – a Wayne, um, Dwayne Peavy, the AD, obviously has those Kentucky ties, and so does Kenny Payne who's now with the Knicks. And, I mean, I think that would be a really great hire for them. But, um, you know, if that doesn't work out, I'm sure, you know, there, there's other – options for them, Cleveland State coach, or Orlando's name has been brought up as someone that they've looked at, and obviously he has those ties to PV as well.
1: How was the uh, Loyola run through the tournament, uh, not only now, but in 2018 as well? How's that playing in Chicago? Is that is that getting uh, some pretty good uh, coverage, people talking about it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this year is so
5: different. I mean, even I think with Illinois, you know, you could, you sense that everywhere, but it was just, it just felt different, right? Cause you didn't have fans all season and just couldn't feel that excitement building throughout the year. And that's kind of always, that's been lacking. And, you know, now too, I mean, even with Loyola, I think, you know, people just aren't out and about as much as they used to be able to be until we get this COVID situation figured out and finished off. But, so that's kind of a little bit weird, I think, you know, but I still saw, you know, students running out into the street and, you know by the L there at Loyola campus and but you know they don't have classes on campus right now so it's just it's just a totally different feel in that sense but yeah I mean I think just you know judging off what people are reading and um you know what I'm hearing from people there is that excitement and it's I think Chicago has just longed for you know we have quite a few teams in the city like you mentioned Paul, and they haven't been good in years and um You know, Northwestern fell off. You know, they had that 2017, and then they've had very rough years now. And um, so I think there's just always been this, like, longing for, like, can someone be good and let us love college basketball again? And Loyola's really provided that. They've got really, you know, fun players. They're fun to watch, and they've got just a lot of charisma. So I think, you know, I don't know how the Illinois – grads in Chicago field, but there does seem <laughs> to be some excitement growing.
1: Yeah, they're they're still they're still crying a little bit, but uh, they'll they'll get over it and start looking to the future. Shannon, we appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you and uh, hope to see you soon. Me too. Thanks guys. You ha- bet.
3: Have a good day at the games.
1: <laughs> Sh- Thanks, Lauren. Shannon Bye. Ryan with us. You can follow Shannon on Twitter at at S Ryan Tribune. We'll get you connected with Shannon Ryan. It is 9.31. We need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more. The phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. On I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Back after this. It is 9.33, and this is I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Thanks to uh, Shannon Ryan for spending some time with us. Some uh, guests still to come in the uh, second hour of the show is Paul Klee from the Gazette out in Denver and Lon Kruger.
3: And I just got a message from Lon, and he will be with us at 10.30.
1: 10.30 is the time for him, Paul Klee at 10 o'clock. Our 9.30 guest is Michael Leroy from the University of Illinois from the uh, College of Law, among other. he got a big, long title, Michael, from the uh, <laughs> U of I Department of Labor and Employment Relations and the College of Law. Good morning. How are you?
6: I'm well. It's good to talk to you guys.
1: We wanted to talk to you about uh, the research and the uh, uh, program you put out, the report you put out about uh, the handling of the the COVID-19. and uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. Kind of give us the the findings of that study, uh, just in a nutshell, if you can.
6: Sure. The nutshell is I surveyed uh, all of the Power 5 conference schools I had 19 schools that provided usable responses. What I was doing was comparing their COVID-19 protocols. So just looking at a piece of paper, what are you folks doing to uh, manage this situation? And compared it to the NFL, NFLPA agreement that was issued on September 7th of of this past year. So I'm comparing the same sport, football college, football pro, same virus, COVID-19, looking at the comparison between pro and college. So the long story short is there are 45 possible points uh, that I'm scoring out of the pro setup and the schools scored between 10 and 30 points. So they fell far short of what the NFL was doing uh, for safety. It turns out that the University of Illinois provided a usable response and we had the number one, uh, scoring uh, school in the survey at thirty points.
1: Did you um, did you get good cooperation uh, in your contacts and trying to get this information from from everybody you you um, made contact with?
6: That is such a perceptive question. I, the range of responses I got was a story by itself. I actually had two associate ads in Big Twelve conferences who appreciated the outreach, and it was clear. They wanted some sort of feedback, sort of, when you get it done, Could you just summarize what, what, what you've got? Uh, and I did that. So they were very interested in it. Other schools were very defensive about it, um, and Penn State is structurally defensive about it. Apparently, not even the media can FOIA Penn State or Pitt. It's a state law, <laughs> so you can't even, uh, as a News Gazette reporter, you can't even get uh, a request into to those guys. The southern states typically require you to be a resident of the state in order to have access to it. Uh, Baylor was the only private school that even bothered to reply to me. I, there were, I believe, 12 private schools that you can't even FOIA, but I sent the request to their legal department. Baylor, their their senior attorney, said, um, we're interested in the study. We can't do anything to help you, except here's the link that we have to our, our site that will provide you information it was too incomplete so i don't want to compare half an apple to a full apple so it was a wide range northwestern never got back to me um i just Real quickly, there were three Big Ten schools that were very disappointing. They were Nebraska, Rutgers, um, and Michigan State. They replied, and they replied with one sheet that looked like something you would see in the break room of a grocery store. Uh, <laughs> on their, their, It was like, yeah, we take a temperature, and it was insulting. It, you're better off saying... You know what? We're we're not sharing it. That's the end of the story. But uh, they thought that, and and then they put in their response. This closes your FOIA request. It was it was, I think, telling of of a culture that they've got there.
3: Well, talk a little bit more about Illinois and what they did for their athletes and 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 for the school in general. What do you think Illinois? Sure, st- I'm, go ahead. I, it sounds like Illinois stacks up pretty well.
6: Illinois was terrific. Um, And it reflected what's going on in the campus, and yet there are things that they're doing. For example, there were only three schools that had any individualized measure of risk assessment. They were Illinois, Texas, and Cal Berkeley. In other words, they're asking the student athlete, do you have um, asthma? Um, Are there other sort of uh, cardiovascular issues that that you already have? So there's some pre-screening that's done, and then they're going to do enhanced surveillance of those folks. The biggest scoring gap between the pros and the college was on individualized risk assessment. The NFL treats – if you're black, uh, Hispanic, or Pacific Islander, you're automatically in a risk category. You're automatically going to be staying at home a lot more, excused from practices, and have home oxygenation testing. None of the schools had any kind of measure of individualized risk assessment except Illinois, Cal, and Texas. That was impressive. Um, Illinois also just – and I had six broad categories, and Illinois scored higher in all categories. So I would just say Illinois was comprehensively better than just about everybody else.
3: One of the uh, aspects, i want to get you into the financial uh, side of things here, Uh, one of the fallouts uh, from the virus is the fact that practically everybody in the country, every collegiate program is losing money this year. Uh, Do you know, have you followed this at all uh, with Illinois and their their enormous debt that they have uh, from building that, you know, they've made a lot of uh, advances in, in construction in recent years, but how how uh, what's the status in your view of the athletic department now financially?
6: Well, Illinois has been rather opaque in reporting, um, so I don't have any um, information except what has been released in the media. Um, and if I did have information, I it would probably be I would be bound to you know remain. It's not for me to disclose it. But Illinois has been opaque. Um, schools that have not been opaque have been. Uh, uh, Iowa, Iowa State, uh, the Iowa State Athletic Director has has really made strong comments about the impact of this and, and what it means not only for his program but for college athletics. Uh, the University of Iowa has publicly acknowledged that they have a, a huge hole to fill um, and they, they have uh, borrowed money uh, from the campus to, to fill that hole. Uh, but again illinois hasn 't said all that much uh, other other big ten sport other other big Ten programs are cutting sports to the best of my knowledge we haven 't been doing that. Nobody wants to see that happen by the way so um to me as looking as an outsider in, I just wonder how how it is that we seem to be doing better financially than some of our peers when in fact we 're flying into this pandemic with a with a huge uh you know pre existing debt. Largely for building facilities.
3: Yes, do you see this uh, in any way changing anything in the future for Illinois as we hopefully get back on track?
6: Well, I mean, it's also true that the NCAA uh, and the Big Ten have reported that the projected TB revenue shortfalls were not as severe as they expected. So Illinois and all of the big 10 schools can expect to do better than they were projecting in august when when you and i last talked on 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 this show Um, but what it means going forward i mean we still don't know i i don't know what how many seats can we sell in the football stadium and, and so forth so there's that but you know longer term um we've got this new sports platform that is coming online with overtime elite basketball And and most people over the age of 25 probably have never heard of it. I had never heard of it. But uh, they have 50 million um, people globally who are signed up to this platform. And and they're going to start an elite basketball league with 30 of the best players um, in the world. Um, And that's that's going to be a direct competitive threat to NCAA basketball. Um, And so I I, I just think that's just one more headwind that that, uh, NCAA sports has to fly into.
3: You're, you're talking about 30 amateur prospects basically, coming out of high school. Is that correct?
6: That is correct. They're 16 to 18 years old. Uh, they're not all going to come from the U.S. because not all of the basketball best basketball players are from the U.S., and uh, they're going to be paid $100,000 a year. They're going to have a, a school academy set up for them based on soccer leagues in Europe. Uh, that kind of model, and they already have fifty million people watching, and and they're selling advertising. It, it's like Facebook for sports. Um, okay, they're,
3: they're going to they're going to have fifty million watching on TV. At least they're going to have fifty million signed up. But what about attendance? Will 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 people attend games for those for that level if they're not attached to a college? If they you know most of our people will will come out here regardless of the level of the team they will attend because of the University of Illinois. Do you think? That- I understand. And,
6: and and the NCAA has a clear advantage there. And the NCAA has a clear advantage with school loyalty. Absolutely. Um, and to answer your question directly, I, I don't see how they're, even going to begin to compete on the, the audience feature. It's not even clear where they're going to stage these games yet. So it's in the formative stages and they plan to roll this out in September. So they, they have to finalize things pretty soon but you're pointing out a very good element which is they they don't have the intrinsic appeal that you have with Illinois basketball or similar.
3: Now the G League is paying between thirty-five dollars and 125000 for players out of high school, if they're good enough. I mean, depending on their ability, they get paid according to their supposed worth. But this would be in direct competition then with the G League, wouldn't it?
6: It certainly would, absolutely. Um, and who's to say you're not going to get another upstart league uh, come along here? So I, I'll i just say that you know, I teach a course on campus in collective bargaining and sports and entertainment. The idea that leagues pop up as competitive rivals is a long-standing tradition in American sports. So the, the two best examples that we can relate this to are the uh, ABA, the American Basketball Association, mid 60s, to early 70s. They introduced the three-point arc. They introduced the 24 second clock. They were a competitive threat and they were eventually you know merged into the NBA. And then back in the early 19, the 19 teams, we had the Federal Baseball League. So most of these rival leagues do not succeed Um, but a handful break through and they transform a sport.
1: Another couple of minutes with Michael Leroy from the uh, U of I College of Law and the Labor and Employment Relations Department. Uh, Is the NCAA, I'm kind of answering my own question when I say NCAA and dragging their feet, (laughs) are they dragging their feet on compensation for college athletes? Where, Where do you see that going now?
6: They are. I mean, so we're going to get a Supreme Court ruling uh, in this term uh, that deals with so-called non-cash educational benefits. Um, but the, the long story short is um, the NCAA wants to create conditions of pure equality between schools leagues do that i mean that's why you have a reserve clause in in the major league sports they don't want one team to stockpile talent it just makes the league uninteresting so you can understand why uh, the ncaa would have all of these restrictions that being said they they don't even treat student athletes the same as non-student athletes Uh, a non-student athlete can get um a computer, a student athlete. There are severe restrictions, if not a complete restriction, on that. So they're dragging their feet in the even on the, not even paying. And in this case, before the Supreme Court, has nothing to do with pay for play. Uh, at least not directly. It doesn't take a, a shot at the amateur model. Now, more directly to your question, the NCAA is dragging its feet, and they. they uh, they had they wanted no part of name, image, and likeness. Uh, the concept there, the reason they don't want any part about in it is it will create inequality between the schools. Um, you know, a, a school with a, 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 a nice brand to begin with, uh, coupled with a star player, that 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 player can really put his or her brand out there and compete directly with the school, not to mention create inequality between the schools. So I understand why the NCAA pushes back on it. But then what you're doing is creating an opening for entrepreneurs who say, you know what, there are people who are willing to pay money to see great basketball players who don't have this kind of regulation or restriction.
1: Got the phone lines open. I'm going to let uh, Michael go in a minute. But let's uh, go to Alan first, calling from Urbana. Go ahead, Alan. You're on with Michael Leroy.
7: Good morning. Um, I just had a quick
4: question. Uh, With this pandemic so severe that nobody can go anywhere, nobody can breathe on anybody, we all have to wear masks and everything. I was wondering how many thousands of athletes died?
6: Oh, good question. Uh, Several football players have died. I get your point. Uh, Very few people have died. Um, Ohio State, um, uh, their cardiology department, tested, um, they they took at the beginning of the season, 19 athletes. They weren't all football players who tested positive for COVID-19. They checked out their hearts. Uh, Over half of them had myocarditis and inflammation of the heart. Of that group, a significant number had an imaging feature that has a mortality rate of 4.7% per year, which is much higher than the normal mortality of um, people in general. So what I am telling you is, on the one hand, true enough, football players haven't been dropping dead from competing. But when you look at that statistic and you look at the, there were two studies out of Ohio State, the implication is we're going to see young men and young women who are competing uh, in NCAA athletics today with severe cardio cardiac problems in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, a little bit like the concussion phenomenon we're seeing. Guys walk off the field. They look fine. Some of them in, in their 30s, 40s, and 50s have severe cognitive problems. Some of them die uh, prematurely here. So I, I don't think the story is finished on this.
1: Anything else, Alan? Nope. That was it. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, well, that's a little scary. It isn't? is.
3: I mean, of course, that's oh, that's, a, a, that's a very small uh, number of people you're talking about there. I mean, you, you say of uh, 19 players.
6: Yes, 19.
3: Yeah, well, if if you go into the, I suppose if you go into the larger numbers, it will break out a, along some some kind of lines that are going to be very negative for people heart wise over over the over the time of their the time of the that they live i mean this is this is very i didn't have any idea was that i guess that's the reason why they always they insisted as soon as you uh, that uh, when when you have it that you have to have your heart tested afterwards isn't that correct
6: that's correct by the way you know when we were uh together on a show in in the late summer and i was surprised to see because we talked about this uh, I thought there would be variations between the conferences on cardiac testing. I was pleasantly surprised to see there were no meaningful differences. That all the conferences, all the schools in my sample had, um, first of all, they had cardiac testing for people who tested positive, and second, the cardiac test was virtually identical to the NFL. So that's a really good story, and, and they're being proactive. Um, the, the The difference is that it, it more college athletes are getting COVID in pro players. Um, that's not in my study. That's a New York Times study uh, that uh, came out in December. Alan Blinder, uh, or Blinder, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's got that study, and he foia all the schools that I FOIA'd. Um, but I, I, again, it, I, like you, I was stunned to read that. And this is a, a JAMA publication, a Journal of American Medical Association. They normally don't publish studies with a, a sample of 19, but they, they apparently thought that this was alarming enough to, to put in print.
1: Michael, interesting stuff. We appreciate your time. We'll do it again one of these days before too long.
6: I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for making time. You guys take care and be well.
1: You too. That's Michael Leroy from the uh, University of Illinois spending about 20 minutes with us at 9.50. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break. The phone line is open. If you want to jump in here before 10 o'clock, you can do that. And then we'll keep it open in the second hour as well. We're back with more after this. 9.53 9.53 on Ipella Saturday's Sports Talk. Heading towards uh, the top of the hour. Got to hold another hour coming your way from 10 to 11. Paul Klee will join us. So will Lon Kruger, who announced his uh, retirement after 30 years as a college basketball head coach. He'll join us at 10.30. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. That's where Brad in Champaign is calling. Go ahead, Brad. You're on the air.
6: Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm a uh, Michigan fan living in Champaign. That's kind of tough. But I uh, uh, just wanted to kind of get your opinion on the Illinois fans' pulse of basketball right now. Do you think most fans will be watching the tournament? Do you think most fans will be rooting for the Big Ten? Or do you think most of the fans will be rooting for Michigan to lose? I'd just like your thoughts. Thank you very much. Okay,
1: we appreciate that. Thanks, Brad, for the call. Uh, Lauren and I are on the same page on this. We always root for Big Ten teams, but I'm not sure a lot of fans are on that same page as well. well I
3: suppose there are, are fans out there that would be against Michigan on anything, but I can't be that way in this situation. I I, I would like to see Michigan win.
1: I'm rooting for Loyola, too. <laughs>
3: yeah, I am, too. But, um, but I sure can't speak for the for community. I don't know how that would work. I just don't know. You'd have to ask a lot of people and find out just where they stand.
1: Well, Michigan's kind of a Four letter word for most of the Line fans, but uh, so I'd say a lot of fans are rooting for Michigan to get beat right away. Now, the rest of the league, I don't know. Well, you know, it's, 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 Michigan in football
3: is a four letter word, <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, Michigan in basketball might be a five or six or seven. I mean, they may, maybe they're not so well. I think that, no, that no, no dislike.
1: I think they went up on the list a little bit this year in basketball because of the fact they played three fewer games, which may mm-hmm. may not have been under their control at all. But mm-hmm. it didn't look good.
3: No, I think it more probably uh, involving the health department, although their other other sports did play. And uh, by the way, uh, Caller, am I correct that, the, the, that they're having uh, trouble in other sports? I think two of the other sports have uh, coronavirus problems right now, don't yeah. they, at Michigan.
1: Yeah, they canceled. Uh, Hockey? yes. Mm-hmm. They were playing hockey, and they, they had a positive case there. So
3: Brad, are you aware of that? No, he's gone. Oh, Brad, Brad
1: hung up and wanted to hear our opinion on that. Um, we were talking, you and I, before the show, Lauren, about uh, people passing away. There's another one, Howard Snellenberger, uh, football coach, yeah. coached at Louisville and Florida Atlantic and others.
3: Joe Cunningham.
1: Joe Cunningham, Stan Joe, Albeck.
3: Yeah, Stan Allbeck, who I've I got to say this. Uh, you got to. I, I, I was leading I, you into it. When the Little Sages of Monticello played, and I was in the sixth grade, we played against Stan Albeck and Chinoa, and they beat us. <laughs> and it took me a while to get
1: over it. So you were a Little Sage, were you? <laughs> I was you? a
3: Little Sage, playing for Dwight Wilkie's team, yes, sir, in Monticello. In and I can't remember where we traveled to, but... I remember the game, and I'm sure i I'm sure I left crying.
1: Was it a close game?
3: Yeah, it went right to the wire, and he was the star of the team. Uh, Stan was the star of the team. Of course, later on, he became the coach of uh, Bradley and the coach of the Chicago Bulls. So I followed him all through the years, never spoke to him again. In fact, I never spoke to him then, <laughs> but I did play against him. Did you guard him? You know, I don't think so. They never put me on a good score. <laughs> I was a bad defensive player. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I a, really don't
3: remember that part.
1: I know a lot about you, Mr. Tate. I did not know that you were a little sage. Oh, yeah. I, was I knew a, you were a sage. Well, I, was I a didn't li- know if you were a little sage.
3: Well, when I was in the sixth grade, I was a little sage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you got that going for you. Yeah. 217-356-9397 is uh, the phone number. We've pretty much wrapped up the first hour. A lot of... Uh, transfer talk a lot of coaching talk now with coaching uh, positions coming open and we talked to Shannon Ryan about that what's Porter Moser going to do and it sounds like whoever Indiana wants to talk to might still be playing or that process
3: that's, that's a suspicion isn't it
1: that's that process might have been further down the road I
3: would think it'd be either either Drew uh, or Moser. i have s- just a wild guess, but you'd think if they had somebody that was not playing, they would have hired him by now yes. because they're losing players daily. Seven players have left the program, at least joined the portal. Now some will are probably going to come back, but seven,
1: seven. Yeah, if I'm, you know, Indiana's one of the, one of the, the the blue bloods. Certainly, if not recently, I get that, but. Man, that'd be a tough one. As Shannon mentioned, those Indiana fans are angry. They wake up angry. You, you know, that's an everyday thing for them. I don't think they're pleased with with anything. So that'd be a tough one. Uh, but it'd be hard to to not listen to. Well, you
3: know, uh, I don't know that Illinois fans are angry, but I they, I do get the feeling that Iowa fans are angry because every year when February comes around, their team doesn't play as good as it did in. November, December, January. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this, but there, they're, there's a there's a feeling of disappointment that I read, and and I'm reading stuff, you know, from Scott Docterman and others in Iowa, and, and I just uh, I think there's there's on both sides of us, we got a lot of unhappiness.
1: Let's squeeze in a call or two here before we make the turn at the uh, top of the hour. Let's go to Eric in Champagne. Hey, Eric.
7: Hey, morning, guys. Um, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to mention—we haven't talked about baseball at all yet. Opening day coming up on Thursday. Yeah. I was actually kind of—I ex- was pretty excited to think about going to some games, and then I started looking at ticket prices, and I'm not talking
6: about you know secondary market. The face value, like of a Cardinals or a Cubs ticket, are, are just ridiculously high. I know they got to make up for the money. They lost in the limited amount of tickets they can sell, but like seventy-five bucks for a single seat to a
4: Cardinals game. I mean, like no matter where you sit, hundred plus for Cubs. <laughs> no one's even mentioned that. I don't think.
3: No, that's that's a lot of money to pay. By it the is time you, by the time you buy a eight-dollar beer and a ten-dollar hot dog.
1: You get the beer for eight dollars.
3: <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe more. I don't know, little... like twelve fifty maybe. Okay, exactly. Okay. Excuse me, I'm a, I'm always behind.
1: A yeah, good point, Eric. I mean, can I... you...
3: Yeah,
4: no, I was gonna say I look forward to going, but maybe at that price I don't have to think about twice about it. Right.
1: Since you
3: brought that up, I just read yesterday where the Cardinals, who were picked in the you know in the off season to have maybe the best off season because they got Arenado, and are now picked third in their division. <laughs> I just saw that, oh. I, I, and I think there's a lot to it. The Cardinal pitching is really shaky. Un- yes, it's yeah. very uncertain in depth. And, and their starting rotation is, uh, right now, as far as we can tell, is no better than the Cubs, which is also off. Neither one has got a, a rotation that you'd say is is stellar. Neither one. And that's disappointing because that's where the games are won and lost, right yeah. on that mound.
1: Hey, Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Jerry calling from Decatur. Hey, Jerry.
8: Good morning. Uh, how much of concussion do you think played in Decatur? To Iowa's last three or four games,
3: I certainly wonder about it. I do honestly wonder about it, and I don't know the answer. But uh, and I don't think anybody can know the answer for sure. But he he certainly wasn't. He wasn't quite I, well. There were times when he 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 was up to his old uh, level of play, but there were other times when he kind of seemed like he wasn't as involved. And certainly in that final game against Loyola, that wasn't the. I.O. that we've known, was it?
8: No, it wasn't. He, he just didn't look nearly as aggressive mm-hmm. as in the past.
1: Well, I think, you know, it's, just, it's hard to, to know for sure, but it, it looked like it. And I've never had a concussion, so I don't know what you feel like.
3: I've been in that. a permanent concussion my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so you're concussed. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that's the that's the issue then, uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the issues. But good point, Jerry. That's I don't know that we'll ever know that for sure. But uh, it certainly makes sense that that could have played a factor.
8: I mean the, the the whole team plays off of him,
3: and when he's standing around, so is everyone else.
1: Well, I don't well, he know, wasn't standing I, around so much as he was getting double teamed yes, <laughs> every he time was. he had the ball. Well,
3: I understand that. But and, and there's another team team thing that happened. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I thought the moment he went down, and they had the three games without him, somebody else took over that team, and his name was Corbello. Yep. And when I.O. Mm-hmm. came back, they were they were starting, uh, and you say, well, Corbello didn't start. Well, he came in after four minutes and played most of the game from that from that point when he didn't have fouls, and they would start I.O. in the left corner, and they would have Corbello on top. Corbello was the point and he ran the he basically ran the team I thought all the way through right to the end. He was still running the team against Loyola.
8: Yeah, he was.
1: Okay, Jerry, thanks. Appreciate Bye. that. Okay. Bye. Back on the uh, baseball conversation. I was in uh, the Detroit area this week visiting my son and grandson and and I pointed out to my son that uh in June, the Cardinals play a two-game series. just a brief two-game series against the Tigers up there.
3: Okay, you're going to go,
1: huh? Yeah, we're talking about it, and I said, take well, your billfold. I said, why don't you check out the tickets? He goes, <laughs> normally you could, uh, you could uh, the day before buy a ticket right behind home plate to, <laughs> at uh, where the uh, Tigers play. I don't know how it's going to be this year or what it's going to cost, but uh, they play a night game followed by a businessman special. So, going to look into that. It, provided you can get tickets, uh, you know they may have it.
3: You can do that just so you don't miss the Saturday show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, there's a th- the technology, modern technology is pretty amazing. We could. Uh, that's right. We could, No, I'll be back with him, but that's not till June. And who knows what's going to happen between now and then. 10.03 WDWS Champaign-Urbana back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday sports talk after this.
0: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday sports talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397, area code 217. If you want to join us, Thanks to Shannon Ryan, who uh, spent some time with us from the Chicago Tribune. She's over in Indianapolis covering the Sweet 16 today. Her focus now is on Loyola after the Ramblers eliminated the Illini last week. And to Michael Leroy from uh, the U of I for taking some time with us as well. Kicking off hour number two, we go to Denver, Colorado. And wearing his Gonzaga t-shirt, tank top and hat is Paul Klee with us this morning. Mr. Klee, how are you?
9: I might have to put my uh, Nolan Arenado jersey on here pretty soon. You see?
1: Yes.
3: Thanks for sending him out, by the
1: way. Yeah, the baseball <laughs> opening welcome. day is coming up on Thursday. We'll talk about that a little bit. But, but first of all, how's that youngster doing?
9: Gosh, he's so good. He's, he's a champ. He, um, he's allowing mom and dad to sleep now. <laughs> he's watching every basketball game that Dad <laughs> wants to watch. He's, he's doing great. I appreciate you asking.
1: We'll talk about uh, Gonzaga, and I know that's a program that's near and dear to your heart and certainly uh, having a great season. But I want to talk about the Illinois season, the way it came to an end, but more importantly, mm-hmm. what was accomplished in a, in a pretty difficult time. And I know you, you still watch Illinois basketball and Big Ten basketball very oh, yeah. closely. You, your thoughts, let's give uh, Loyal – Loyola credit on their game plan and what they did uh, last uh, Saturday over in Indianapolis.
9: Yeah, it was a a system win. You know, it was a, we've been here before and we're going to run what we run and you're going to have to deal with it when it was, you know, we talked about last week, I think, on your show that 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 was the game that jumped out, that uh, that was a scary game. It reminded me so much of uh, two instances actually one was that i think it was 2015 when wichita drew kansas and wichita doesn't get a shot at kansas very often and i think the shockers were the seventh seed and the jayhawks were the two and uh it was the same result you know they took advantage of a chance that they don't get very often and uh, they were just really good it, it, from an illinois perspective There were a little bit of a comparison, I think, to 2003 when you had a, um, you know, young Darren Williams, young Dee Brown. I think Roger was a sophomore, and uh, you get to Notre Dame after winning the conference tournament, a really, you know, impressive run through the conference tournament. I think it was 2003, and um, you let up a little bit, you know, and it reminded me of that a little bit too. So uh, unfortunate end for Illinois because, goodness I got to watch just about every game this year and that team was an absolute blast but
1: well,
3: you know that that's I i agree about the uh, the Notre Dame game that was just in 2000 mm-hmm. it was 2003 the last year that Self was mm-hmm. here and he did have those young guys uh, D and Darren and and uh, Brian right. Cook was on that team Brian Cook got a, a whole bunch of open shots and and afterwards uh, Bray said uh, yeah we thought we'd just go him one one on one nobody guard him one on one all year they'd <laughs> to double you know and he decided to let him shoot and he missed everything and and that was how that one got mm-hmm. away but I didn't feel my what I'm getting around to is I didn't feel that that team could quote uh, win the national championship I didn't think they were quite mm-hmm. ready to do that they were young and and yet the, this team was more in line with a team that could go a long way and yet uh, were, we're too uh, out of balance with the, with the two guys and uh, I mean I, What's your thought about that? I mean, we were counting so much on Io and Kofi. Could they Kofi. and and they double team both of them?
9: They did, and and I think Lauren, what jumped out to me was their guards. Loyola's guards. They're not imposing by any means, but they did. There was a physical element to this game, and Io and and Trent. It, I don't think you're not going to win a tournament game against a good team when they go five for 20, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was, that's what it came down to. It, it wasn't that matchup in the middle. That was just phenomenal basketball. It, it was so good in the paint with those two big guys. They're, both of them are just so good in, in different styles, but the guards really, the Loyola's guards held the upper hand. And that, that stood out to me. I think Demonte was probably, he missed, two or three shots. So those three guys, you go five for 23, that's hard to overcome. And I didn't like the Illinois game plan. I I didn't like it. It, You know, Loyola's run this stuff now for five or six years. And it's that the ball screen that they run, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to defend. Mm -hmm. But it just, it surprised me that they were surprised by that. I'll, I'll say that. The, the issue, though, is not defending Loyola at scoring 58 points. And that, that really surprised me that they weren't able to get more easy stuff, I think. And there was a little bit of one-on-one late in the game. Um, it's just, you know, we've seen these kinds of upsets before where a system win, a team that's been there before, there's a lot to be said for that. There's a ton to be said for NCAA tournament experience. I wonder if Illinois gets its shot last year, you, sit, you you get them that you know you, you get them those 40 minutes those 80 minutes of tournament time, the second time around becomes a lot easier because you're comfortable in that. It felt to me like the first five minutes of the second half determined the game, and Loyola clamped down. They didn't allow that immediate run to allow Illinois to get back in the game. But tournament experience is it's enormous. It really is. If, you, if you've if you been there before and you've won several games, you're a lot more comfortable in the second half of a tight game like that.
3: Well, let's switch over to Gonzaga. Now tell me about this defense because I told you the other day I'm not thrilled with Gonzaga's defense. I think their <laughs> offense can win a game against anybody, and they can score 100, but uh, Iowa yeah. can score 100 and they let their defense beat them.
9: Yeah, what, that was something, wasn't it? That, that one really surprised me because when the brackets came out, Iowa was the team that I was worried about because they're the only ones that can score with the Zags. You know, they can put up 100. But um, the Pac-12 has stood up and flexed a little bit. What's going and on there? Is, uh, they got a lot of NBA guys, Coach Tate. Yeah. There's a lot of NBA guys. They play a little wild at times. It's not uh, It's not the coaching league that the Big Ten is. But this USC team, of all the teams remaining, is the scariest one for Gonzaga. Because if you're gonna beat the Zags, you gotta have multiple high level NBA guys and they got a couple of them. Speak-
1: so I'm um, sorry, go ahead, Paul. Yeah.
9: Yeah, I think that's the difference right now in the in the in the Pac and the and the Big Ten is there is a I don't think the Pac twelve was better than the Big Ten this year. I don't think any rational person that watched the two leagues would say that. The Big Ten was far superior to the Pac twelve. But we've seen it through the years now that there has been a um, I think there's 40, 44 Big Ten guys in the NBA. I think the ACC has double that. So when we're seeing these NCAA tournament results, that it to me it's not a reflection of the strengths of the league, of the respective leagues, but NBA guys really travel in the NCAA tournament. And the Pac-12 has several of them, and I think that's why they've been able to be as successful as they are.
1: Speaking of NBA guys, do you think – at this point in time Kofi is an nba guy what do you think the nba folks are thinking about him right now
9: they would tell him to go back they would tell him to go back to school and you know there there are he is a powerful physical presence but you step into you know i look at this lakers front court this nuggets front court they're going 6'11 6'11 7 foot 7 foot Every team has three or four Kofis. And so it's, and they're guys that can step out and shoot. So my hope is he comes back. I don't know what the status is there. I have no clue. Um, But I think he could go for another year of college. He's gotten so much better. You know, the leap that he made from last year to this year speaks to that player development. And I think it would do him a great service to come back for one more year. And I'm not saying that selfishly because I want him to to come back again, but I think it would help him in terms of his draft prospects.
3: What do you think about these new leagues that are coming in, the new league of, mm-hmm. of high school players, and you got the G League mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, all these possibilities. Do you, do you see him being interested in any of that stuff? That's
9: a great question. You know, um, for certain guys, they can be helpful, but it's a small percentage. It's a Jalen Green it's uh, there's a kid at Hillcrest prep right now, Michael Foster, that's going to be an NBA player. He doesn't need to go to college. He should go make money. Um, but it's a small percentage. College is still the best developmental program that there is for these guys. And I know there's always that push from sports media that says these guys should be um, paid out of, you know, right out of high school if they can, but you're going to get better playing for Brad Underwood, playing for Tom Izzo, playing for Mark Few, than you are in a developmental league because they are not as invested necessarily. You know, that's kind of a trial run. Maybe we see a a minor league system that emerges over the next few years. But right now I see guys like, I watched Zion Williamson last night. He had had 39 against the Nuggets. He looks like a 10-year NBA guy right now. That, That exposure that he got at Duke, the coaching he got at Duke, I think that propelled him on a trajectory that he may not have gotten in the G League. So uh, maybe that's Kofi's route. I have no idea what, what they're thinking with that, but I think he'd be better served come back to Illinois.
1: The coaching carousel continues to churn, which makes me think, does Mark Few's name ever come up anymore on, on these jobs, or is it pretty much a done deal that he's where he's going to be?
9: Yeah, yeah, it's more likely that he would retire um,
1: yeah.
9: if they if they win it this year. than he'd move. He, he's not leaving Spokane. He has an incredible home in the mountains. He's he just got a commitment from a you know top five recruit yesterday. He's going to get a commitment real soon from the number one player in the country. So um, he's uh, <laughs> they got the best international players for the last twenty years. Now they're getting the best American players. So we're going to see what happens there. But it's it's quite a combination.
1: What's your take on the uh, transfer portal as uh, those numbers continue to uh, – most of Indiana's roster is in the portal now, but uh, it's uh, quite interesting, isn't it?
9: Yeah, it's free agency. Yeah. It's um, – I, I talked to a friend in the – he coaches a D2 school. He coaches in uh, – I don't even know what league it is, but it's, it's in Minnesota. And uh, he has a really good player. This good player has 25 scholarship offers right now. And he's already talked to half the Big 12. <laughs> this is a guy playing Division two ball. So imagine what these two guys at Oral Roberts, how they're getting recruited right now. You know, they, they are going to absolutely just ravage these mid-major and low-major ro- rosters. The, the Valley's going to get crushed by this. You know, the Mountain West is going to get crushed by this. So if they kick in that rule that says immediate eligibility is allowed, um, the rich are going to get richer, and there's a lot of schools that invested three or four years in good players; they're going to lose them for their senior season. So,
3: well, actually,
9: I'm against it.
3: You know, actually, it's in right now. I mean, what? Nobody. I mean, everybody wants the players being declared eligible. I mean, yeah. It's like they're just they know it's coming. So, yeah, it's amazing.
9: I, I, w- I would be interested to see if that point guard from Indiana comes back. You know, I think some of these guys are
3: yeah. it's kind of like
9: the NBA draft process where you can step your toes in the water and then not hire an agent. I think that's what a lot of this is. It's, it's a um, testing to see if, you know, does, does Texas want me? Does Illinois want me? Who's really going to recruit me? Because I didn't get recruited by these high majors the first time around, and it's flattering. But eventually, I think a lot of them will return to their their original programs.
3: Yeah, and you know that a lot of those guys from Indiana may return, but they they also might leave, and Jackson Davis might leave with them. <laughs> we, we, oh, they're a mess. <laughs> they are right now until they get a coach.
1: Another couple of minutes with yeah, Paul go. Klee. We've got the line open uh, on the phone. Let's go to Steve real quick in Princeton. Question for Paul. Go ahead, Steve.
7: Yeah, Paul, you've seen Gonzaga been built over the last 15, 20 years. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking that Loyola, I'm not sure if they're a Jesuit school like Gonzaga, but mm-hmm. can Porter Mosier make Loyola into a Gonzaga and be the top mm-hmm. in the Missouri Valley Conference, win consistently, get the NCAA tournament, and so forth, and be the next Gonzaga?
2: Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, you know, that question came up with uh, with Butler through the years, came up with Wichita, um, a handful of different teams. And, you know, with all respect to those guys, we'll ne- we're never going to see another Gonzaga because it, the system isn't set up like that. And you got to have a Tommy Lloyd as an assistant that can go to, it's got to be 20-something countries now that they've taken players from. And that's the biggest part of it is the international recruiting, that you get Rony Turioff, you get Domus Sabonis, you get Schmidt-Karnowski. You've had, you know, a dozen guys that have gone on to play in the league that weren't born here. You know, this team's a great example. They, they've got Africa represented, France represented, a couple guys from Canada, and uh, Russia, you know, Lithuania. That's all on one roster. So I don't think Loyola can achieve that status, and I am very interested to see if they keep Porter Mosier because Marquette was the job. That was the one that was going to take Porter Mosier. But they obviously had their sights set on Shaka.
1: Anything else, Steve? So when you talk,
9: well,
7: when he talks about uh, Shaka going to Marquette, I keep thinking of a mm. former eye that seems like, oh, he's, get, he's moving because the coach gets fired. Rob Judson, he was in <laughs> Illinois State as an assistant. That coach got fired. He went to Indiana with Tom Crean. Tom Crean got fired and he moved again. And now he's been at Marquette and Marquette coach gets fired. So poor Rob. I mean he's always moving after a coach gets fired.
9: <laughs> yeah, they they all get fired eventually. I actually talked to um I talked to Coach Judson two days ago. He loved his time at Marquette. They absolutely loved working there. Everybody that's worked at Marquette. But the thing about it is they spend so much money on basketball that if you don't win, they're not going to hesitate to kick you out the door.
1: Hey, Steve, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. One question, will
9: Roger, will Roger Powell be back at Gonzaga next year? You know, I wondered if that Illinois State job was going to open up. That, that would be one that I think Roger would take a look at. Um, he loves Spokane, and he loves that job, obviously. he He might stay there for 20 years but I have a feeling he's going to want to come back to that area at some point and be a head coach.
1: Thanks for the call, Steve. We Thanks. appreciate I... it. Paul, one quick question. Our next guest coming up at 1030 is Lon Kruger. Of course, he uh, yes. announced his retirement on Thursday. I'm sure you've got some fond memories of uh, bumping into Lon Kruger man. over the years.
9: He is the nicest man I've ever met in basketball. And, and I didn't know him like you guys knew him, Steve, but there was that, uh, Maybe 2011 or 12 when we were down in Tulsa, and you had Coach Self, Coach Weber, and Coach Kruger in the same pod there. Yeah, yeah. And we we recorded a a podcast or something that day. It was only the second time I had met him, and I felt like I had known him forever. He's he's the nicest man I've ever come across in basketball, and OU is going to miss him, but college basketball is going to miss that guy. I tell you what, when when we got paired against Oklahoma. That scared the daylights out of me because it's going to take a coach like Kruger that knows what you have to do to beat a team that has superior talent, and they had them on the ropes there for a while, and it was not because they had comparable players. It was because of coaching. So I'll look forward to listening to that one.
1: Paul, good to catch up with you. Uh, Thanks for your time as always, and we'll do it again soon.
3: Thank you, Paul.
9: Sounds great, guys. Enjoy the games today.
1: You too. That's Paul Klee with us from Denver, Colorado. If you want to check out Paul on Twitter, it's at by Paul Clee at Twitter. At by Paul Clee. 10:24. We'll take a break and be back with more I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk after this. And the Ani volleyball team going for its fourth match win in a row tonight, senior night for the Fighting Ani volleyball team. At Huff Hall against the Indiana Hoosiers after beating Indiana three to nothing last night, 10:26 is the time. 217-356-9397 is the number for Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Let's go to Rantoul and say hi to Bill. Hey Bill, what's up?
8: Good morning, guys. Uh, just what Paul said about Kruger being such a nice guy. I got to meet him twice, briefly. Once was at your radio station for uh, advertisers, the meet and greet. And uh, one Saturday morning, my dad and I were sitting, we're having our usual breakfast on Saturday morning. And he says, well, they got an open pro- uh, practice up at uh, Clough. He says, you want to go? I said, sure. It's weird to sit in the stands. I think volleyball had the first practice. And then all of a sudden, of like three, four guys walk up and start shaking my hand. And I looked up and it was Lon Kruger. He just was going through the stands, shaking everybody's hands and thanking them for coming. So I mean, I mean, he didn't have to do that, but it just really—he was a really a kind guy. And I really hate to see him go, but you know, I think one of the best coaching jobs, probably in Illinois history, was the year that he had like Brian Johnson and Kevin Turner. That yep. year, I think they won the Big Ten. Yeah, I thirteen mean, and really three in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Didn't have that much talent. Didn't have that much size. It, that was just a really great coaching job that year.
1: Good stuff, Bill. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. If you want to jump in here, do so. 217-356-9397 is the number. Let's go to Muhammad. Karen is calling in. Go ahead, Karen.
2: Hi. I was just calling about the fact that it, it seems like our basketball team has just dropped off the face of the earth. I guess there's there's been some stuff on social media, but I don't do all that stuff. There's hardly been a thing in the newspaper. I just... Uh, Feel I don't know just to be comforted. I wanted to read more about how they're doing or something like that. How the, you mean? How happen.
3: they're doing in, after losing the game? You mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Just uh, a, thank just, you to them. There's been a lot of follow-up talk about it in, on this show and in the newspaper. Uh, the awards that Not keep in the uh, newspaper. Well, look at the Not look. The look at today's paper. There's a big story, in there Scott Ritchie has something almost every day in the paper about uh, this basketball team and the postseason awards that are coming the way of Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. Um, no, nobody covers that beat as well as Scott Ritchie. He's, he's all over that. So, I don't know how you're missing that. Well,
2: I admit, I I haven't read today's paper, so maybe I missed something. But And throughout the season, the only two people, really, well, three people, three of the team that we ever got to hear talk, you know, Io, Kofi, and Andre Cabello. It just would be nice to have some uh interviews with the rest of the team. I think
1: you're missing it because they're, the other guys have been available from uh, time to time all season long and uh, a lot of the players are not here right now. They went home for the first time in a chance to go home. So uh, <laughs> they're they're enjoying okay, that.
2: Well, maybe, I guess it's just me then.
1: No, it's not. That, uh, I appreciate you bringing that me. up, but uh I I think uh and this year was different because as media people, we could not go to practice no. and be there at the end and ask to talk to so-and-so-and-so, so we were basically Thank given you. who's going to be available to talk that day on Zoom. So it was different, but hopefully we'll get back to normal.
2: Yes, hopefully so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, I enjoyed the season
1: very much. Yep. Thanks, Karen. So, we appreciate the call.
2: Thank you. It, mm-hmm. Bye. it is.
1: Bye-bye. It's 10.30. We'll take a break, and we'll talk things over with Lon Krueger when we come back on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It is 10.32 Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 here on Newstalk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Happy to welcome to the program now, former Illinois basketball coach, former Oklahoma basketball coach, Lon Krueger, who on Thursday announced his retirement. Coach, good to uh, get back in touch with you. Congratulations on uh, your retirement. Uh, how are you feeling about that after a couple of days after uh, announcing that decision?
0: Yes, yeah, Steve, Lauren, great to be with you guys again. Uh... You know, when when it happens, it's going to be mixed emotions. But overall, we're we're very, very much looking forward to what lies ahead. Uh, we've been uh, fortunate to be around just super, super people uh, at every stop during our uh, coaching career, and uh, certainly those at Illinois were uh, among the most special. So, very much looking forward to it. But uh, I know we'll miss the guys, and miss the preparation, miss the daily routine at practice, and and all that. But. Uh, uh, we're excited about it
1: 674 career wins i'm not going to have you comment on that but i'm going to uh, say and i think lauren will agree with me that's hall of fame worthy uh, consideration at least and uh, four years here at uh, the u of i talk a little bit about uh your time here and uh, what you remember about uh your experience here in champaign urbana
0: well you know great people it always, it always starts there you know with uh with great people and uh, certainly uh, some of the best there in, uh, in Champaign and and Illinois and uh, outstanding leadership. Ron Gunther was uh, so great to work with and uh, appreciated that. And then uh, the the love for basketball with the Illini. I mean, uh, uh, great, uh, great fans, uh, great enthusiasm, uh, great conference. Uh, Yeah. Just a a very enjoyable uh, four years.
3: Lon, uh, everybody. In fact, we had somebody call in today and they, you bring up that uh, team you had in 1998 uh, when you had the uh, all seniors: G. Johnson, Hester, Hellman, and Turner, and they you know, won the Big Ten that year. I I thought that was a uh, that was a unique experience, wasn't it? With all those seniors,
0: it was great. Uh, yeah, and they they just meshed so well together. They they liked each other. They uh, understood uh, what each needed to do to make the the team successful and they trusted uh, that each would take care of that and uh, yeah it was a great group they worked hard they competed like crazy and uh, stepped up when they uh, needed to, to to win a championship
3: did you was that the year that you kind of switched to defenses sometimes when in the midst of a possession um i i kind of remember that i want you to talk about it. did you do that or am i dreaming
0: we've done that at different times uh you know, where you maybe start in a zone and uh, after a pass or two, uh, end up in a man. Uh, but, but that group was so uh, basketball savvy. They could do that. Uh, they uh, communicated well. They uh, listened to each other and uh, responded to each other. So, yeah, it was a group that you you'd do a lot of fun things with.
3: Well, I want to ask you, since we're moving into what I call free agency, it looks to me like you're getting out just before. Free- <laughs> 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 that can't be any fun for a coach, can it?
0: It's going to be interesting. you know, managing your roster is going to become uh, maybe the number one priority because uh, even now, you know, with uh, uh, the rosters, uh, you know, we really won't know what a roster is. Uh, You know, teams won't until maybe late May, June, by the time all the shuffling goes on. And, you know, one guy might think he's staying in a program, but the coach brings in someone else in his position. All of a sudden he's leaving. So it's going to be a trickle down effect. And, uh, you know, from the Power Five conferences to the the so-called mid-majors, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how all that uh, transpires.
1: Talking to Lon Kruger, we do have the phone lines open 217-356- 9397. If you want to call in, feel free to do so. Lon, you spent seven years as head coach in Nevada, Las Vegas, and your son Kevin was recently named to that uh, same position, and um, am I right in that uh, you're going to probably retire in the Las Vegas area. Do you plan on helping him out uh, some?
0: Only as a fan. Uh, yeah, he, does, he doesn't need my help otherwise. He's, uh, Yeah, he's excited about it. He's uh, going to have a great time. He loves Las Vegas. Uh, we'll spend our time between uh, Oklahoma and uh, Vegas and Nashville. Uh, Nashville's where uh, our other set of grandkids are with, with Angie and uh, her husband. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun bouncing back and forth and moving around a bit.
1: Did you um, all along know that it was a matter of time before Kevin got a head coaching opportunity?
0: No, he's always he's always thought like a head coach and uh, as a point guard. Uh, didn't know, uh, you know, sometimes it's right place, right time, and I think that was uh, the case here because uh, Vegas is home for him. Uh, TJ Olsenberger, who was the head coach that took the job at Iowa State, didn't expect to leave after just two years at UNLV, so. Uh, The AD there, the president there uh, really liked Kevin and uh, understood that uh, he was, uh, you know, felt like he was ready to do it. So they want continuity. They want stability. And and, uh, Kevin certainly, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't see that as a stepping stone job. He wants to be there and he wants to get that uh, rebel program back to the heights it has been at in the past. And uh, he'll, uh, he'll have fun getting after it.
1: Got a call from the state of North Carolina for Lon Kruger. This is Marty. Go ahead, Marty. You're on the air.
4: Morning, Steve and Lauren, and morning, Coach Krueger. Um, Marty? I'm a, I'm a former high school coach, and uh, grew up in B-Mint. Uh, I enjoyed greatly watching you coach because you didn't do a lot of yelling and screaming. It looked to me like you did your work in practice and prepared people and uh, then just handled the, uh, the moves that need to be made with personnel and with strategy during the game. I especially remember a game against Iowa, and I think Lauren was halfway alluding to that, where late in a one-point game, um, you came out with about 14 seconds left, looking like you were going to play man-to-man, and I think Lester was the point guard. I can't remember for sure, and they were out in their one-two-two box, and when they initiated their drive off the high post, you guys switched into a one-two-two zone and just flummoxed their entire play. And ended up winning the game, and you hadn't done that the whole game. It was one of the great coaching moves. It's, you're not the first person to ever change defenses, but when you did it and the situation you did it, it was brilliant. And uh, I've admired uh, you from afar for, I've admired you from afar for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, Bye. that group was a was a group that uh, could do things like that. And not all teams can make those adjustments, but uh, the leadership on that group, the senior uh, experience, uh, yeah, they, uh, they can do a lot of things like that, and uh, it's, fun. it's a fun group to coach. Well, I,
4: I, while I admired that group. I probably admire more, even more than anything else. I remember you running the Big Ten tournament with a last place team that looked like they were going to take the whole league by storm, beating three top 20 teams back to back to back. I, I, I just enjoyed watching you work.
0: I hated to see you go, by
4: the way. I, I know that's coaching, but I sure hated to see you go.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that group that uh, made the run in the in the Big Ten tournament was a you know a very young group. You know, the year after the championship mm-hmm. group, and uh, they uh, they grew and uh, got better throughout the year, and then had a great finish to their career.
3: Well, you know, Lon, you could have you could have reminded us that you are going to win three games against Minnesota, Indiana, and Ohio State, and then have to play Michigan State. Because if you'd have told me, I'd have brought another pair of underclothes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You didn't. You didn't pack company.
1: company? Hey, Marty. Coach, thanks, thanks for the right, call. Let me
4: go by saying congratulations on a great career.
0: Thanks, Marty. Appreciate that. We've uh, been awfully fortunate to uh, be around the people that we were around and have the players that we've had. So a lot of good memories.
1: Thanks for the call, Marty. We appreciate it. Let's uh, go to Gary in Urbana. Go ahead, Gary. You're on with Lon Kruger.
9: Good morning. Yeah, I with the last gentleman. I just hated to see you leave. And I think the biggest thing I respected was the way that you handled the kids when they came off the floor. Whether they'd done well, if they'd done poorly, it was never in their face. I mean, you just treated all the kids with class, no matter what the situation. And I think that's something that's missing with a lot of coaches in sports. So I thought that was a, a great
0: part of your whole coaching career. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, young people work hard. Uh, you know, they uh... – I you think know, confidence is one of the biggest things in, in coaching or, or anything else. And uh, you're always trying to promote confidence and you're always trying to, you know, uh, keep their spirits up. And, uh, when they screw up, then, uh, you know, the last thing they probably need is someone getting down their throat. So, uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll talk to them a lot. We'll coach them hard, but, uh, we always, uh, we're going to treat them like we'd want our son or daughter treated. Uh, we always kind of use that as a, as a barometer measuring stick and, uh, yeah, so it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to treat people. Treat people yeah. out. You were just, you were just a class act. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks very much.
3: By the way, Lon, I, I, the the night over at Indiana when uh, night got thrown out, and uh, you missed a lot of that because you were in the huddle with the players. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, I thought that place was going to come down on us that day. Do you remember that at all?
0: Oh, absolutely. That's uh, one of the you know. Uh, not highlight, but most vivid memories because, like you say, the crowd was so so ramped up, you know. And of course, they're going to be supportive of Coach Knight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I was concerned for Coach Knight at that moment when he was walking <laughs> toward uh, toward Ted Valentine. Yeah. I was, just, right. I, was just, I was just I was just very relieved when he passed him.
3: Me and, too. I, I thought he was going to swing sure he as heck, up. and then right. and uh, but you know, you beat Knight six out of eight. I don't know how many coaches uh, had seventy five percent against Knight, but. That was pretty good. You, you lost to him twice, but you beat him six times.
0: Yeah, his teams were always uh, fun to play because uh, they, made, they made you play well. They made you prepare well because if you, uh, you know, uh, didn't, then obviously they, uh, they were very good. So, yeah, our guys uh, played hard. And, of course, uh, Indiana-Illinois games are always uh, intense. And uh, our guys always look forward to that.
1: Let's go back to the telephones and Mark calling in Urbana. Go ahead, Mark. Hi, Darren.
4: Hey, Coach, I just wanted to uh, thank you as well for all the times that you were at Illinois. I really was upset when you left.
9: And I wish you the best in retirement,
6: but please promise me one thing. You're not going to come out of retirement and coach Indiana.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I can, uh, that's an easy promise to make. <laughs> Number one, Indiana's, uh, they'll, they'll get a good coach, of course, and, uh, and uh, we'll be cheering for the line really hard uh, every time they play. Okay, well, good luck, Coach. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Mark, for the call. Jay in Savoy is up next. Jay, you're on the air with Lon Krueger.
4: Well, good morning, Coach. I remember when you guys used to live in our neighborhood in Savoy before you built your house on West Champaign, your kids had the coolest basketball goal in the neighborhood on Mouton court
2: <laughs>
4: but but uh i drove your team to the arizona games united center and after the game we ate in the bulls and blackhawks dining room the white tablecloths and everything and the opposition was walking by like how do they rate and then we get on the bus and we got all the way to Matson, you know half an hour out of the city and the kids were yelling coach coach can we stop we're hungry and <laughs> you looked at me and said really and they had to spend their per diems, and I think we pulled into a Burger King, so they ate again after a four or five course meal at the United Center. Yeah, but congratulations yeah. on your career, though.
0: Well, thanks very much. When you're around those players, you got to be a little careful because they they can they can put away a lot of calories huh. and uh, and not show it, of course. But uh, no, I appreciate uh, our time together, and uh, yeah, we had some great trips for sure.
1: Thanks for the call, Jay. We appreciate it, Lon. I don't know how well do you know brad underwood and I'm, I'm sure that you keep following when you can illinois basketball but uh, your thoughts on the, the job he's done here in the last uh, he's been here four years same amount of time that you were here
0: yeah he's been he's been great everywhere he's been uh he's uh he's won he uh he's a kansas state grad as well so i've known brad uh for a long time followed his career and uh yeah his team this year was really good and but that's the nature of uh to play. If your guys aren't quite on, or if the other team's really, really clicking, it just takes one, one game. Uh, you know, if they, uh, you know, uh, three of, you know, best of five or something. Uh, all those, you know, a lot of those games would turn out differently. But uh, Lyle was good. Lyle was really good, and Porter does a great job. But, but Brad does a great job. His guys are going to play hard and compete like crazy. And certainly this year, uh, they were, you know, obviously one of the best teams in the country.
1: I've got a question as far as staying in touch with former players do you have them categorized in other words do you have a a category for former kansas state players florida players illinois players unlv players oklahoma players when you want to stay in touch with all the all the places you've been
8: yeah it's it's
0: interesting uh you know stay in touch with some guys a lot more than others uh you know a lot of it's initiated by by the former players uh you know, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, that's one of the neat parts of it when you watch uh, and follow your guys after they graduate and move on. Some play professionally, others go into other avenues of of life, and uh, to watch them uh, get married and uh, you know the kids grow up and uh, staying in touch uh, through reunions and and emails and all that uh, is really a neat part of it. And uh, again, uh, you know, one of the best things about sports is that uh, they create memories for a lifetime. And when you share those memories with people, uh, you know there's a certain bond there, and uh, and certainly going to practice every day and and all the work and time that the players put into it, uh, there uh, becomes a pretty good connection.
1: So how's your golf game, and is it about to get better now that uh, you've got more time?
0: <laughs> I don't know about better. Uh, there's gonna be more rounds, you know. <laughs> that doesn't always correlate with better, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We uh we've always played a lot between. Uh, may and uh, september and have never played otherwise so uh this will be the first time uh, uh we'll play in the month of october through through april so uh, it'll be different for sure
1: hey Lauren, there's a road trip for us we go to vegas to play golf with Lon <laughs> krueger how's that
3: yeah we can stay in the west hey, wing of we're, his new home see? We're, we're available anytime
0: anytime you guys want to come out we, uh, we can probably find a place to play
1: <laughs> i've got a um a message here from a dear friend of yours cindy budkovich she is on the no, golf Cindy course.
0: In, Cindy and Pete's the best. I bet she is on
1: the golf course. Yep, she uh, wanted uh, me to congratulate you on uh, the wonderful announcement of your retirement. If I were not on the golf course this morning, I would have called in. And I've enjoyed <laughs> staying in touch with, uh, with uh, Coach Kruger through the years and seeing all the games when uh, the schedule allows. And thanks for being such a tremendous leader and coach. And she'll miss watching your teams play. That's from Cindy Budkovich
0: well cindy cindy's the best she uh kind of ran our program over we there and we appreciate her leadership for sure and uh yeah we've seen her uh from time to time when we uh, have traveled uh into into texas her and people schedule a game and uh, stop by and uh get a chance to chat so it's always good to catch up with uh with folks like that
1: let's uh get another call in skip in champagne go ahead skip
6: uh, nice to uh, have you on the show, Lon. Just very quick
2: uh, follow-up on what a great guy this was. I was doing a scholarship in my father's name in a small college in Wisconsin where I went, and I was playing golf out at Lincolnshire. When we were done, we had this young coach that had just got hired up
6: at Concordia, Milwaukee, and I took a second to introduce him to Lon, and Lon, you spent 15 or 20 minutes talking with that gentleman and it absolutely made his day. And it was just a, another reason why I think you'll be one of the all-time favorites here. I uh, just got a wonderful way with people and thanks so much. And, uh, re- really wishing you the best in your retirement. Thanks again for that special moment.
0: Well, thank you. And, um, again, appreciate the opportunity at any time to talk with, uh, with coaches, especially young coaches, because, the. Uh, you know, uh, we remember uh, how that is and the excitement and the thrill uh, of uh, watching and uh, learning from others. And uh, we, were, we were watching and learning from others uh, even uh, this year. So uh, that uh, will be something that happens throughout his career.
1: Hey, Lon, we really appreciate your time. I know you're really busy and a lot of people probably seeking some of your time. But we, Lauren and I, uh, thank you very much for taking time to spend about 20 minutes with us.
3: Yeah, we appreciate that.
0: Certainly, our pleasure, and uh, we'll make a point to get back to Champagne and uh, and see some old friends. And when we do, we'll we'll make a point to to get in touch.
3: Thanks a lot, Lon. Those were four great years here, and, and we really appreciate your time here. And have pulled for every every game you've played since then. We pull for you.
0: Well, yeah, we appreciate it. We've uh, got very fond memories and and good friends. So uh, thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Steve. And you good bet. good luck
3: to Kevin. Thank you. Yep. We'll pass that on.
1: Lon Kruger has been our guest. We appreciate uh, his time this morning. His record in four years at Illinois was 81 and 48. He spent four years at Pan American, which now has a new name. That school is called Texas Rio Grande Valley now. He was four years there, four years at Kansas State, his alma mater, six years at Florida, four years at Illinois, four years with the Atlanta Hawks, seven years in Nevada, Las Vegas, and 10 years in Oklahoma. So um, you you think of him moving... uh,
3: 68? Am I wrong? 68 is his age. Yeah, okay.
1: You you think of him as a guy that moved around a lot, and he did, but, you know, he was 10 years in Oklahoma, (laughs) that's pretty good, and seven years at UNLV before that.
3: Well, he picked a really perfect time to retire, in my opinion, and And uh, we could learn something from that, (laughs) I guess. Is it too late for me to retire?
1: (laughs) No, I think you're in it for the long haul now. Um, And people talk, and we had a few callers there, and uh, and people talk about what a nice guy he is. And I totally, 100% agree. Paul Klee mentioned that as well. But I rank nice guys.
3: Nicest coach there is in the business, period. But I
1: rank nice guys. To Lou Henson. Right. And he is a right. lot like Lou Henson. Yep. Doesn't cuss, doesn't swear, make you feel like you've known him for a long time. The only other guy that I've got in that off the top of my head is Steve Stricker. So that's pretty good company for... You bet. ...Lon Kruger to be added to, to that group, at least in my estimation, of, of, of people that you'd like to be around. And he's a fun guy. He's well, a good coach. and
3: We had a trip to Vegas in which he was playing. I, were you there, I, uh, there, the yes. UN, UNLV was playing mm-hmm. and I was with Jerry Hester and they welcomed, uh, and he welcomed us into their locker room and introduced us to all the players. <laughs> I mean, he, he just went out of his way and he just loved Hester.
1: And uh, that uh, tournament in Tulsa, the regional that Paul mentioned, Paul Klee, we were there for that and, and what he was talking about was not a podcast. It was a radio show that that we did. We had Kruger on, okay, and that self popped by. Was you might remember this? We were doing sports talk from courtside, and Kruger came over and sat down and put the headset on and talked to us on the air. And he was d- during a, a shoot around well, practice.
3: He, he come out on the on the court an hour before the game, just sit there and watch and talk yeah. to people. I mean, he just so so many coaches are back in that room uh, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes before the game. Uh, just in a, in a literal, you know, in, all ex, intense yeah. about what's going to, you know, the last thing they're going to say to the team and everything. And he, he's just the opposite. He's just totally relaxed all the time. I don't, I never saw him get really, truly mad. I suppose he did it in an official somewhere, but I don't remember it.
1: He kind of set a fashion style back in his days in Illinois with the mock turtleneck when all mm-hmm. the other coaches were wearing neckties. Yeah. He was ahead of his time.
3: Well, I guess so. This year, they, they've uh, kind of gotten away from the yeah. ties for the first time, yeah.
1: No doubt. And, and some coaches, Brad Underwood included, normally don't come out until the last time. Now, he came out some this year because uh, there wasn't a crowd there, and it was a good time to talk to the opposing coach, and he did that. But most coaches, head coaches, I mean, uh, don't come out until that last time they, they run out uh, with the band playing and such. And, but good to catch up By with By the, the way,
3: he was a heck of an athlete. He pitched for the Cardinals, you know, in the yeah. minor leagues, and before he got into coaching, and he was a tremendous basketball player at Kansas State. And you know, I'll bet you right now, if we if we put him in a gym and said shoot free throws, he'd make the first fifteen in a row. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he just wouldn't miss. I mean, I never saw anything like it. He just if he if he stopped any. I, there was an outdoor thing, Steve. I'm trying to remember where it was. was it New York, where we were we were somewhere, and maybe New York, and. And they asked, they asked Alon to shoot free. We're outdoors now. There's wind <laughs> blowing, and he stood there and made free throws. I thought, man, what touch he had.
1: We take one final break and be back with some final words at ten fifty-five. Alon Ippola, Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Coming up on eleven o'clock here in Alon Ippola's Saturday Sports Talk. Busy. Two hours, thanks to uh, Shannon Ryan for spending some time with us from the uh, Chicago Tribune. Michael Leroy from the U of I School of Labor and employee, Employment uh, Relations. Paul Clee from the Gazette out in Denver. And Lon Kruger, former Illinois basketball coach, who announced his retirement from college coaching on Thursday. NCAA basketball today. you got to be in front of that TV for the uh, Ramblers, Mr. I'm Tate. am going to watch
3: the Ramblers, absolutely. If that's the one game I'm going to watch is... This is, this is your best day to play golf for a while, though. It's going to be windy and cold uh, tomorrow.
1: Thanks for that uh, checking the forecast for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> we will talk to you again soon, Mr. Tate. Good job today on the show. Thanks uh, for listening, everybody. Thanks to our guests. We appreciate it. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, thanks to Dave, Dave Leak, who is our producer. And he appreciates me mispronouncing his name, I'm sure. But Dave Leak is doing a fine <laughs> job. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, for all the folks I mentioned, this is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend.